Very excited for my next guest, Tom Verducci. As someone who grew up always reading Sports Illustrated, subscribing to it, couldn't wait. And by the way, this is how I'm dating myself before, you know, the Internet was a massive thing. And suddenly the SI would appear every Thursday. Always glorious. And also you can catch Tom Verducci, um, also the M- with MLB Network as well, covering all things baseball. Tom, really appreciate you joining the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to go in a hundred different places, but I, I want to start here. And I, I understand this news happened a little while ago, but sometimes I think it's important, especially for younger generations, just to um, you know get an idea who the, the last uh, set of just real masters, giants in this industry. What should people know about Tim McCarver, uh, the legendary broadcaster and incredible baseball player who passed away? Uh, what should people uh, know about him who may not have followed much of his career? Well, I think the first thing probably is he was so good that every network that had the World Series wanted Tim McCarver. I mean, no analyst has done more World Series than Tim McCarver, 24 of them. And it wasn't like I know he's associated mostly with Fox. And, of course, he and Joe Buck had an incredible run. It started in 96. But he also did the World Series for CBS. He did it for ABC. I mean, if his contract was up and you had baseball, you wanted Tim McCarver. He was that good. I like to say he actually set the bar for what an analyst should be. I mean, he didn't invent the position, but prior to him, you had a lot of guys who were really good. Tony Kubek comes to mind. Um, You know, Joe Garagiola did some play-by-play as well as color. But the true analyst, I think, began with Tim McCarver. He was just so good. What I love most about him is he worked ahead of the action. Anybody can get in the booth and explain to you what you're looking at in a replay after the fact, right? That doesn't take genius to do that. But Tim anticipated situations, got out in front of things. He wasn't afraid either to tell it like it is. I mean, he had a very strong core belief of how the game should be played. And if you weren't abiding by that core belief, which really wasn't that hard, basically it was play fundamental baseball and play hard, he would call you out. <laughs> and so Tim McCarver was a guy that I, I think he, he defined, he didn't invent it, but he defined what a baseball analyst should be. Now, and just the idea of, Every network wanted him because, you know, sometimes networks like, oh, we can't have this guy because everyone associates him with ABC or NBC. But just having McCarver on always made the games feel bigger. Um, all right. Th- but anyway, I appreciate it. Thank you. And it's funny. Uh, there's so many places to start with, you know, pitchers and catchers and, and everything going on in baseball. But I just want to get your thoughts on McCarver. I knew you'd have a good answer there. Uh, going into this year is. Is the biggest story the ban on on shifts? Is it the pitch clock? Like, what for you is the bigger, the biggest picture about all things baseball? Well, I think the one that's going to change the game the most for you as a fan is the pitch timer, because you know, listen, last year when they used it throughout the minor leagues, the games were cut by twenty five minutes. We're not going to get to that point. There's an extra second added to both bases empty and with runners on. Um, and there's some other built-in things. The commercial breaks are longer at MLB than, than the minors. But I'm pretty confident we should get at least 15 minutes and maybe even as much as 20 minutes off the length of the game. Now, it's not just about the time of the game. Although, you know, if you want to take your kids to a game on a weeknight during the school year, it's pretty nice to know the game's going to be over at 245 instead of 315. So that does make a difference when it comes to buying tickets. 
But more than that, it, it, the game will be played, I like to call it, in a heightened sense of readiness. So with that pitch timer, that batter's got to be in the box with eight seconds left on the pitch timer. It's not just on the pitcher to hurry up and get the sign and pitch. It's on the batter as well. So the game will be in a state of readiness so that you as a fan are locked in, knowing that the next pitch is coming really quickly. In other words, you won't have those long periods where nothing is happening. The guy's stepping out of the box. The pitcher's walking off the back of the mound. It'll happen from time to time. A pitcher can still basically call a timeout and step off the rubber once, uh, and the batter can do that too during course of an at-bat. So I'm not saying it's not going to happen at all. But in general, you're going to see this readiness where the game looks so much faster. And all we're doing is getting back to where the game was in the 80s and 90s. This is not revolutionary, but if you're a young fan, it might seem that way. So I think that as far as the aesthetics of the game and fan interest will have the biggest impact. It'll be noticeable right away. And as far as the governors on shifts, I love it. And I I think you're going to see a lot more hits in the game this year, especially from left-handed hitters. Um, I like the fact that the game now is going back into the hands of the players who are actually playing the game. And it's not like a coding contest between front offices to see who can hack the, the algorithms the most. Uh, in other words, right now we have guys who pull a card out of their back par- pocket to tell them where to play, and that's according to the front office. And usually sometimes that second baseman is 200 feet from home plate. And yeah. now we're getting to a point where you've got to, as a defender, you've got to be athletic. You've got to have range. And, and I think you will see uh, batting average go up, I think, about 15 points. There will be a lot more hits in the game, more base running, more stolen bases. So bottom line is I'm really excited about this season. I, I got to tell you, it makes me more excited. All all I want is more triples and the game to feel more like Tony Gwynn than home yeah. run, walk, or strikeout. And those are your only three options. How 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 hard do you think? What, what are the growing pains you think are going to be for this? In terms of like, we know a lot of players are actually very conservative in nature when it comes to rule changes. How uh, combative do you think this could be between players and umps and players and the rules? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it is going to be uh, an awkward period of transition for a while. Um, This is a WBC season. There is the World Baseball Classic. They are not playing with these rules. So a lot of guys, and there are a lot of guys who are leaving their teams to go play in the WBC, will not be playing the WBC games under those rules. And it's going to take more than just spring training for guys to get acclimated, especially the veteran players. A lot of players have had the clock in the minor leagues. Not a huge transition for the younger guy. But, you know, if you're someone like J.D. Martinez, who loves to step out of the box between every pitch, take a lot of time and ready himself to take the bat, you've got to change your approach. And so if we go, and I think this will happen. We saw the results when they went to the clock in the minor leagues. There were a lot of violations in the first month or so of the season. And a violation means it's either a ball added to the batter's count or a strike. Um, so that happened a lot in the first month of the season. It definitely went down in the course of the season, and it was basically wallpaper by the end of the year. You're going to see that same trajectory in the Major League Baseball. You'll have some games. Someone's going to play, complain, we lost because I didn't have enough time to get myself ready to either pitch or hit. It's going to happen. Veteran players are going to uh, beef about it. But you know what? This is the way we're going forward. You know, This is not just a one-year deal. This is the game going forward. Guys will get acclimated to it. There is a period of adjustment, but it will not be that long. Think about when they changed the slide rule at second base where you can't take out the middle infielder or you can't right. run over the catcher at the plate. A lot of belly aching about those two rules, and really after a month, maybe even two at the most, it just faded away, and I think you'll see the same track here. 
Yeah, I mean, these are the best athletes in the world for baseball. They can and they will adjust. Uh, joined by baseball writer Tom Verducci, Sports Illustrated, MLB Network. Um, Tom, I, I was I was starting to go through my notes for the up, start of the baseball season, and I don't think this hyperbole to say that the team with the most pressure on them. I, I know the Yankees haven't won a World Series since '09, but they've never had a lose. They haven't had a losing season since then. It, it's the Angels where Mike Trout has one hit in the playoffs, and Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent after this year. I throw out the Angels have the most pressure on them. Um, would you counter with the Mets, or where would you go? Yeah, I would go with the Mets because of the just <laughs> unprecedented length they went with the payroll this year. It's a very good team. It was a good team last year, 101 wins, and you know spared no expense. A team loaded with stars. The owner has said if they didn't win a world championship within three to five years of him taking control, he'd be disappointed. Well, that clock is ticking. So I would go the Mets. I, I get what you're saying about the Angels. Um, listen, Shohei Otani is not going to sign an extension. I mean, he's going to get to free agency that we've never seen. First of all, a player like Otani since Babe Ruth, and we have never seen a free agent like Otani, where it's essentially two players in one. So as much as the Angels would love to get him wrapped up and extended, it, it just guys like that have to get to free agency. I mean, who knows what his value is, but you can't really find out full value unless – you enter into a bidding war. And believe me, it's going to be huge. So, listen, the Angels' hopes of, of keeping him at all, they're going to have to win a bidding war, and they're going to have to have a very good season this year to convince him that, that they are a team that can play and compete for World Series. Uh, that's not true right now. So, yes, yeah, it's a big year for the Angels to try to convince him of that. Um, so I get what you're saying with the Angels. I think if you're a baseball fan, it's just a shame that we haven't seen Trout, uh, you know, except for once – series he got swept in the postseason and Otani not at all in the postseason you want to see the best players in baseball on the biggest stage and it just doesn't happen with those guys so um as a baseball fan I think a lot of people would like to see it I'm not sure they're close to for that happening they're better than last year I'll give them that but that is a very difficult American League West for them to, to break through what do you think's harder for them um poning up the winning uh, the contract war or winning on the field I think winning the contract war, I mean, there's a lot of teams. The Dodgers come to mind specifically. The Giants are in the mix. You never roll out the Yankees. And of course, now the Mets, you have to <laughs> include them on everybody. Uh, but I think it's, you know, if things get, if things break right for the Angels, I like what they did with some of their pitching with Tyler Anderson added there. I think they could get a wild card spot. That's not really that difficult. I think signing Otani to an extension where it is a bidding war going to unprecedented length that's going to be harder before we let you go and again joined by tom verducci and and not really get your analysis on if you think uh, kikuchi will bounce back for the blue jays this year but 92 win team last year in the american league east so we know how difficult that is just from your own 3,000 foot view uh, just any general impressions and thoughts of it the blue jays yeah, right now, and I'll wait till I see teams in spring training, but on paper, to me, it looks like a coin flip between them and the Yankees and the AL East, uh, and that division is totally stacked. I, I actually really like the Baltimore team. I think they could be a playoff team this year. But Toronto, I love. I thought they had a great offseason. When you think about what teams needed and you go in with a shopping list, man, to me, the Blue Jays checked off every single box. They got more depth in the rotation with Bassett. They got left-handed hitting. They got defense in the outfield. All the things I thought were lacking a little bit last year, and that was a really good team, as you alluded to, last year. 
uh, I thought they addressed those needs. So I like the fact that this – I generally like teams that have a lot of players in the prime of their career, like 23 to 30, with the best years of a player's career. Blue Jays have a lot of those players, and they mixed in some veteran guys like Bassett who are going to help out. So, yeah, I love this team. I'm fascinated to see how the ballpark is going to play this year. I can't believe what they've done with the right field uh, alley. It, it's It's got to be a home run hitter's park. It's, it basically, it's an indoor Yankee stadium when the roof is closed with that <laughs> short porch and, in right field. So that's going to play to their strengths because they can bang with anybody, even their right-handed hitters, Bichette, um, Guerrero can hit the ball out the other way a lot, and this will reward them for doing that. So I think it's going to be rocking. The, the fans are going to be closer to the field. We already know it's a great crowd in Toronto. It's an exciting team. Um, it's just so cool to see places now like Toronto, Seattle, uh, San Diego especially. They've really become rock and baseball towns, and to me, Toronto's getting to the top of that list. Tom, where can people, they want to come find your work, hear your words, where are the best places? Because I know you're not on Twitter, smart by you. Um, where can people <laughs> find uh, can find the work of Tom Verducci? Yeah, SI.com, Fox Sports, once the season starts rolling here on TV, and, of course, Major League Baseball Network. Love it. Hey, really appreciate you taking time to join the show. Uh, love your perspective, and hopefully you can chat somewhere during the season. Cool. I appreciate it. I should mention, too, I also have a book out with Joe Madden oh. called The Book of Joe. And we also have a podcast, which is like the most interesting baseball podcast you can listen to. We have a wide gamut of guests who come on our podcast. It's everybody from the drummer from the E Street Band to the mayor of Patterson, New Jersey. It's, it's chock full of surprises, which is kind of what you get with Joe Madden. Really? So, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. So you get you get. Um, uh, 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 from the E Street Band, he was uh, he was a Conan O'Brien's uh, drummer. Why am I forgetting yeah, his Max, name right now? Max Weinberg. Max Weinberg. Max Weinberg. Max Weinberg. Yes. yes, he oh, was terrific. He, we we were really diving into what it takes for teamwork and leadership, and so we wanted to find out how does it work in a band. And right. the drummer actually, even though Springsteen is. Uh, as Max put it, the benevolent dictator of the band, <laughs> the drummer literally keeps the beat and the one who kind of keeps the team together, if you will, as a, a clubhouse leader, to, to borrow an analogy from baseball. So he was fascinating. But, uh, yeah, check it out. The Book of Joe podcast. The Book of Joe podcast. I imagine get that Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever quality you podcasts are, are found. Thanks so much, Tom. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. That was Tom Verducci, the Book of Joe podcast with Verducci and Joe Madden. I'm unaware of that.